rhapsody, enthusiastic expression of feeling, an epic poem, a recitation, highly emotional utterance, literary, music in irregular form, stitched together, improvised, a collection of effusive, extravagant discourse, rapturous ecstasy. You're listening to A Rose Rhapsody. I understand. Yeah. So when I And now, Ernest Hemingway's The Sun Also Rises. Book Two, Chapter Eight. I did not see Brett again until she came back from San Sebastian. One card came from her from there. It had a picture of the concha and said, Darling, very quiet and healthy. Love to all the chaps. Brett. Nor did I see Robert Cohn again. I heard Francis had left for England, and I had a note from Cohn saying he was going out in the country for a couple of weeks. He did not know where but that he wanted to hold me to the fishing trip in Spain we had talked about last winter. I could reach him always, he wrote, through his bankers. Brett was gone. I was not bothered by Cohn's troubles. I rather enjoyed not having to play tennis. There was plenty of work to do. I went off into the races, dined with friends, and put in some extra time at the office getting things ahead so I could leave it in charge of my secretary when Bill Gorton and I should shove off to Spain the end of June. Bill Gorton arrived, put up a couple of days at the flat, and went off to Vienna. He was very cheerful and said the States were wonderful, New York was wonderful, there had been a grand theatrical season and a whole crop of great young light heavyweights. Any one of them was a good prospect to grow up, put on weight, and trim Dempsey. Bill was very happy. He had made a lot of money on his last book, and was going to make a lot more. We had a good time while he was in Paris, and then he went off to Vienna. He was coming back in three weeks, and we would leave for Spain to get in some fishing and go to the fiesta at Pamplona. He wrote that Vienna was wonderful, then a card from Budapest. Jake, Budapest is wonderful. Then I got a wire, back on Monday. Monday evening he turned up at the flat. I heard his taxi stop and went to the window and called to him. He waved and started upstairs carrying his bags. I met him on the stairs and took one of the bags. Well, I said, I hear you had a wonderful trip. Wonderful, he said. Budapest is absolutely wonderful. How about Vienna? Not so good, Jake, not so good. It seemed better than it was. Well, how do you mean? I was getting glasses and a siphon. Ah, tight. Jake, I was tight. That's strange. Better have a drink. Bill rubbed his forehead. Remarkable thing, he said. Don't know how it happened. Suddenly it happened. Last long? Yeah, four days, Jake. Lasted just four days. Where did you go? Don't remember. Wrote you a postcard. Remember that perfectly. Do anything else? Oh, not so sure. Possible. Go on, tell me about it. I can't remember. Tell you anything I could remember. Go on, take that drink and remember. I might remember a little, Bill said. Remember something about a prize fight. 
Enormous Vienna prize fight. Had a negro in it. Remember the negro perfectly. Go on. A wonderful negro. Looked like tiger flowers, only four times as big. All of a sudden, everybody started to throw things. Not me. Negro had just knocked local boy down. Negro put up his glove, wanted to make a speech. Awful noble-looking Negro. Started to make a speech. Then local white boy hit him. Then he knocked white boy cold. And then everybody commenced to throw chairs. Negro went home with us in our car. Couldn't get his clothes. Wore my coat. Remember the whole thing now. Big sporting evening. What happened? Well, loaned the Negro some clothes and went around with him to try and get his money. Claimed Negro owed them money on account of wrecking hall. Wonder who translated. Was it me? Eh, probably it wasn't you. You're right. Wasn't me at all. Was another fellow. Think we called him the local Harvard man. Remember him now. Studying music. How'd you come out? Oh, not so good, Jake. Injustice everywhere. Promoter claimed Negro promised let local boy stay. Claimed Negro violated contract. Can't knock out Vienna boy in Vienna. My God, Mr. Gordon, said Negro. I didn't do nothing in there for forty minutes but try and let him stay. That white boy must have ruptured himself swinging at me. I never did hit him. Did you get any money? No money, Jake. All we could get was Negro's clothes. Somebody took his watch, too. Splendid, Negro. Big mistake to have come to Vienna. Not so good, Jake. Not so good. What became of the Negro? I went back to Cologne. Lives there. Married. Got a family. Gonna write me a letter, send me the money I loaned him. Wonderful, Negro. Hope I gave him the right address. You probably did. Well, anyway, let's eat, said Bill. Unless you want me to tell you some more travel stories. Go on. Ah, let's eat. We went downstairs and out onto the Boulevard Saint-Michel in the warm June evening. Ah, where will we go? Want to eat on the island? Sure. We walked down the boulevard. At the juncture of the Rue d'Enfer Rochereau with the boulevard is a statue of two men in flowing robes. I know who they are. Bill eyed the monument. Gentlemen who invented pharmacy. Don't try and fool me on Paris. We went on. Uh, he's a taxidermist, Bill said. Want to buy anything? Nice stuffed dog? Come on, I said. You're pie-eyed. Pretty nice stuffed dogs, Bill said. Certainly brighten up your flat. Come on. Just one stuffed dog. I can take him or leave him alone. But listen, Jake, just one stuffed dog. Come on. Mean everything in the world to you after you bought it. Simple exchange values. You give them money, they give you a stuffed dog. We'll get one on the way back. All right, have it your own way. Road to hell paved with unbought stuffed dogs. Not my fault. We went on. How'd you feel that way about dogs so sudden? Oh, always felt that way about dogs. Always been a great lover of stuffed animals. We stopped and had a drink. Certainly like to drink, Bill said. You ought to try it sometimes, Jake. Uh, you're about 144 ahead of me. Oh, not to daunt you. Never be daunted. Secret of my success, never been daunted. Never been daunted in public. Where were you drinking? I stopped at the Crayon. George made me a couple of Jack Roses. George is a great man. Know the secret of his success? Never been daunted. You'll be daunted after about three more Pernos. Oh, not in public. 
If I begin to feel daunted, I'll go up by myself. I'm like a cat that way. When did you see Harvey Stone? Where's the crayon? Harvey was just a little daunted. Hadn't eaten for three days. Doesn't eat anymore. Just goes off like a cat. Pretty sad. He's all right. Splendid. Wish he wouldn't keep going off like a cat, though. Makes me nervous. What'll we do tonight? Doesn't make any difference. Only let's not get daunted. Suppose they got any hard-boiled eggs here? If they had hard-boiled eggs here, we wouldn't have to go all the way down to the island to eat. Nix, I said. We're going to have a regular meal. That's just a suggestion, said Bill. Want to start now? Come on. We started on again down the boulevard. A horse cab passed us. Bill looked at it. See that horse cab? Going to have that horse cab stuffed for you for Christmas. Going to give all my friends stuffed animals. I'm a nature rider. A taxi passed. Someone in it waved, then banged for the driver to stop. The taxi backed up to the curb. In it was Brett. Beautiful lady, said Bill. Going to kidnap us. Hello, Brett said. Hello. This is Bill Gordon, Lady Ashley. Brett smiled at Bill. I say, I'm just back. Haven't bathed even. Michael comes in tonight. Good, come on and eat with us and we'll all go to meet him. Must clean myself. All right, come on. You must bathe. He doesn't get in till nine. Come have a drink then before you bathe. Might do that. Now you're not talking rot. We got in the taxi. The driver looked around. Stop at the nearest bistro, I said. We might as well go to the closerie, Brett said. I can't drink these rotten brandies. Closerie de Lila. Brett turned to Bill. Have you been in this pestilential city long? Just got in today from Budapest. How was Budapest? Wonderful. Budapest was wonderful. Ask him about Vienna. Vienna, said Bill. It's a strange city. Very much like Paris. Brett smiled at him, wrinkling the corners of her eyes. Exactly, Bill said. Very much like Paris at this moment. You have a good start. Sitting out on the terraces of the Lila, Brett ordered a whiskey and soda. I took one, too. And Bill took another pair. No. How are you, Jake? Great, I said. I've had a good time. Brett looked at me. I was a fool to go away, she said. One's an ass to leave Paris. Did you have a good time? Oh, all right. Interesting. Not frightfully amusing. See anybody? No, hardly anybody. I never went out. Didn't you swim? No. Didn't do a thing. Sounds like Vienna, Bill said. Brett wrinkled up the corners of her eyes at him. So that's the way it was in Vienna? It was like everything in Vienna. Brett smiled at him again. You've a nice friend, Jake. He's all right, I said. He's a taxidermist. All that was in another country, Bill said. And besides, all the animals were dead. One more, Brett said. And I must run. Do send the waiter for a taxi. There's a line of them right out front. Good. We had the drink and put Brett into a taxi. Mind you're at the select around ten. Make him come. Michael will be there. We'll be there, Bill said. The taxi started, and Brett waved. Quite a girl, Bill said. She's damn nice. Who's Michael? The man she's going to marry. Well, well, Bill said. That's always just the stage I meet anybody. What'll I send them? Think they'd like a couple of stuffed racehorses? We better eat. Is she really lady something or other? Bill asked in the taxi on our way down to the Ile Saint-Louis. Ah, oh, yes, in the stud book and everything. 
Well, well. We ate dinner at Madame la Comte's restaurant on the far side of the island. It was crowded with Americans, and we had to stand up and wait for a place. Someone had put it in the American Women's Club list as a quaint restaurant on the Paris Quay, as yet untouched by Americans. So we had to wait forty-five minutes for a table. Bill had eaten at the restaurant in 1918 and right after the armistice, and Madame la Comte made a great fuss over seeing him. Doesn't get us a table, though, Bill said. Grand woman, though. We had a good meal, a roast chicken, new green beans, mashed potatoes, a salad, and some apple pie and cheese. You've got the world here, all right, Bill said to Madame la Comte. She raised her hand. Oh, my God. You'll be rich. I hope so. After the coffee and a fiend, we got the bill, chalked up the same as ever on a slate. That was doubtless one of the quaint features. Paid it, shook hands, and went out. You'll never come here any more, Monsieur Barnes, Madame la Comte said. Too many compatriots. Come at lunchtime. It's not crowded then. Good. I'll be down soon. We walked along under the trees that grew out over the river on the Quai d'Orleans side of the island. Across the river were the broken walls of old houses that were being torn down. They're going to cut a street through. They would, Bill said. We walked on and circled the island. The river was dark and a bateau mouche went by, all bright with lights going fast and quiet up and out of sight under the bridge. Down the river was Notre Dame squatting against the night sky. We crossed to the left bank of the Seine by the wooden footbridge from the Quai de Bethune and stopped on the bridge and looked down the river at Notre Dame. Standing on the bridge, the island looked dark, the houses were high against the sky and the trees were shadows. It's pretty grand, Bill said. How'd I love to get back. We leaned on the wooden rail of the bridge and looked up the river to the lights of the big bridges. Below, the water was smooth and black. It made no sound against the piles of the bridge. A man and a girl passed us. They were walking with their arms around each other. We crossed the bridge and walked up the Rue de cardinal It was steep walking, and we went all the way up to the Place Contrescarpe. The arc light shone through the leaves of the trees in the square, and underneath the trees was an S-bus ready to start. Music came out of the door of the Negre Joyeux. Through the window of the Café aux Amateurs, I saw the long zinc bar. Outside on the terrace, working people were drinking. In the open kitchen of the Amateur, a girl was cooking potato chips in oil. There was an iron pot of stew. The girl ladled some onto a plate for an old man who stood holding a bottle of red wine in one hand. Want to have a drink? No, said Bill. I don't need it. We turned to the right off the Place Contrescarpe, walking along smooth, narrow streets with high old houses on both sides. Some of the houses jutted out toward the street. Others were cut back. We came onto the Rue de Potifer and followed it along until it brought us to the rigid north and south of the Rue Saint-Jacques, and then walked south, past val de set back behind the courtyard and the iron fence to the Boulevard de Port-Royal. What do you want to do? I asked. Go up to the café and see Brett and Mike? Why not? We walked along Port-Royal until it became Montparnasse, and then on past the Lilas, Lavines, and all the little cafés, De Moyes, crossed the street to the Rotonde, past its lights and tables, to the Select. Michael came toward us from the tables. He was tanned and healthy-looking. Hello, Jake, he said. Hello, hello. How are you, old lad? You look very fit, Mike. Oh, I am. I'm frightfully fit. I have done nothing but walk. 
walk all day long, one drink a day with my mother at tea. Bill had gone into the bar. He was standing talking with Brett, who was sitting on a high stool, her legs crossed. She had no stockings on. That's good to see you, Jake, Michael said. I'm a little tight, you know. Amazing, isn't it? Did you see my nose? There was a patch of dried blood on the bridge of his nose. An old lady's bags did that, Mike said. I reached up to help her with them, and they fell on me. Brett gestured at him from the bar with her cigarette holder and wrinkled the corners of her eyes. An old lady, said Mike. Her bags fell on me. Let's go in and see Brett. I say she is a piece. You are a lovely lady, Brett. Where did you get that hat? Mm, chap bought it for me. Don't you like it? Oh, it's a dreadful hat. You get a good hat. Oh, we've so much money now, Brett said. I say, haven't you met Bill yet? You are a lovely host, Jake. She turned to Mike. This is Bill Gordon. This drunkard is Mike Campbell. Mr. Campbell is an undischarged bankrupt. Aren't I, though? You know, I met my ex-partner yesterday in London, chap who did me in. What did he say? Bought me a drink. I thought I might as well take it. I say, Brett, you are a lovely piece. Don't you think she's beautiful? Beautiful. With this nose. Ah, it's a lovely nose. Go on, point it at me. Isn't she a lovely piece? Couldn't we have kept the man in Scotland? I say, Brett, let's turn in early. Don't be indecent, Michael. Remember, there are ladies at this bar. Isn't she a lovely piece? Don't you think so, Jake? You know, there's a fight tonight, Bill said. Like to go? Fight, said Mike. Who's fighting? Uh, Lado and somebody. Ah, he's very good, Lado, Mike said. I'd like to see it, rather. He was making an effort to pull himself together. But I can't go. I had a date with this thing here. I say, Brett, do get a new hat. Brett pulled the felt hat down far over one eye and smiled out from under it. You two run along to the fight. I'll have to be taking Mr. Campbell home directly. I'm not tight, Mike said. Perhaps just a little. I say, Brett, you are a lovely piece. Go on to the fight, Brett said. Mr. Campbell's getting difficult. What are these outbursts of affection, Michael? I say, you are a lovely piece. We said good night. I'm sorry I can't go, Mike said. Brett laughed. I looked back from the door. Mike had one hand on the bar and was leaning toward Brett, talking. Brett was looking at him quite coolly, but the corners of her eyes were smiling. Outside on the pavement, I said, Do you want to go to the fight? Sure, said Bill. If we don't have to walk. Mike was pretty excited about his girlfriend, I said in the taxi. Well, said Bill, you can't blame him such a hell of a lot. You have been listening to The Sun Also Rises, Book Two, Chapter Eight, by Ernest Hemingway. I'm Christopher Lane.
You're right. Episodes of The Rose Rhapsody drop the first Monday of every month and can be found on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you take your listening pleasure. That fabulous horn you've been hearing belongs to Marcus Roots, along with his collaborator on the keys, Adrian Ruiz. Additional tracks from Sessions of Rhapsody in Blue feature guitarist Matt Gold, Hader Garcia on percussion, and the tenor saxophone of Irvin Pierce. To learn more about us and what we do, head over to theroserhapsody.com. And if you love interesting new content as much as we do, spread the word or drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. This week's podcast was produced by Trevor Cochran and Richard C. Washer and is a product of the Rose Theatre Company. All rights reserved. I'm Leslie Kopolinski. Now let's get back to that horn. <laughs>